Well, well, welcome to Between Sundays and your face, friend of the pod, is as bright as an angel's. Today, we're not going to stand in the way of God's purposes. Barry's here to tell us who's faithfully living out God's intentions and who's completely missing the point. But before we understand this dichotomy, now that they've put their hands over their ears and begun shouting, let's welcome in our favorite co-host standing in God's way, Meredith Barry. Good day, guys. I can't hear wow. you. My hands are covering my ears. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Standing, standing firm in the Lord, but not in his way. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm great. <laughs> this is wonderful. Great. Good. Yeah. We are, I don't know if you're still feeling it, but this morning we had a meeting. This is Friends of the Pod Monday. Yeah. And after a long, busy weekend where we were all involved in the services and this morning we had like our lead team check in and all of us were very bedraggled to use that word again. And, uh, skin rashes happen. <laughs> wow. wow. Exactly. Yeah. It's been a, it's been a, it's been a, uh, what do you call it? A uh, marathon. Yeah. Yeah. A marathon of just like going for it. Hey, we'll, we'll wait for you to silence your phone. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been a marathon. Um, I was trying to think, all right, so we've got our normal jobs. Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff that needs to be done that are outside of the normal job. So I was thinking, okay, the past like four weeks, I mean, you guys do this every time, but the past four weeks I have worked, you know, Monday through Friday and then Saturday I'm doing like hosting online. Mm -hmm. Uh, Last week I did hosting in person. Mm -hmm. One week I was video engineer. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> this week I was playing worship. And I think it just hit me this morning. I'm like, man, I'm just, I'm just tired. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just tired. I'm ready to not do that. <laughs> yeah. Do all that. I think some of the more emotional services, just as awesome as they are, I'm so tired the next day. Yeah. So today mm-hmm. is just like, I just feel like I could take a nap at any point. Yeah, I that's, haven't that's been me. able to, but totally. I, I feel that way. And it's not like a negative, like, man, I'm just worn out. It's not a negative thing. Oh. I just know. Yes. I mean, Saturday and Sunday were both incredible services. Yeah. Baptisms. Very emotional for me. Oh, yeah. And I just feel like napping today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you saw me at five o'clock, I was a, I mean, even in my message, I, I was a bit of a weepy mess there at the end. Cause I was so like overwhelmed by how cool the experience mm-hmm. was and everything, but it was the I'm same an for emotional me. Person. Yeah, I yep. am. And the whole weekend was just amazing and emotional and um, mm-hmm. just so cool. Uh, but yeah, I, I took a nap, like a, one of those like heavy, like afternoon, hour and a half naps. And I woke up ready for a nap. Cause I was, not, <laughs> I was not ready, not refreshed. Well, so. if I know one thing about friends of the pod, they tune in to talk, to hear us talk about how we just need naps. <laughs> that's that's, that's, that's yeah. exactly. So we need, a, we need moles? a pep talk. We need a pep talk. Oh, and right. so guys, we, we can do this. Oh, wow. Oh, Tyler's wow. breaking out all these new sound effects. Do the, do the new, uh, do the new Marin one. Oh, it, it, I got to fit it in. Oh, it's got to be. All right. All right. It can't just, can't just, can't just spring it on people. I don't even know how you keep track of them. Like, oh, I can read. I mean, they're I label, like mapped. I, I do you see them? them? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yes. I want to hear about what? Springing bunnies? Moles. No, moles. Oh, moles. No. Uh, yeah. Well, you, you posted a picture last yeah. week. Like, are moles cute or. Hideous. Yeah. And Marin, you think they're cute. I do. I do. That is. They're little snouts and they're tiny little like pink hands. No, they're not tiny. They're very (laughs) tiny. Their hands are like. They're front Weirdly disproportionate. But they got to dig, right? right. They're diggers. That's fine. That that doesn't mean they're cute. I don't want to touch them, but they're very, (laughs) very cute. (laughs) Um, 
They are. Don't touch me. <laughs> they are just absolutely infesting our property. There's oh a, there's yeah. a bunch of them. Actually, it's probably only like three. They really get around. For, are they like I, messing with your forest, your food forest? Yeah, they got in there. Mm. They were messing around. That was a pain. But, but Cleo, I think whatever breeds she has, which are a ton of different, different dog breeds, but like they're all the kind that hunt moles, I think because <laughs> she's constantly digging in the ground, sniffing around, trying to find them and now live. And now I have both saved a mole from her as she's been like playing with it, not, not eating it, just mm-hmm. like tossing it in the air, poor little things. And so I, you're trying to save the moles. Yeah. So like Liv grabbed it with like a, a jacket that she had and let it go. And I just, I was like, Cleo was out there. It was raining. And so I just grabbed it with my hands and walked it. <laughs> we relocate it to like the far, far, far end of our property. So I'm sure they find their way back, but still we don't want to kill them. And I don't, didn't really want to get in the car and drive miles away. So I took the little guy <laughs> and took a little video of it and posted it online. And yeah, I, yeah. I asked everybody moles, cute or gross. And the Aaron consensus was split. It was like 50, really? 50. Oh, totally. Even in my own home. <laughs> I think they're 50, disgusting. 50 split. Really? Yeah. Jed, I, Jed disagreed with my comment. Wow. They don't even have eyes. They have <laughs> eyes. They're very teeny little eyes, but you want to really <laughs> be horrified. There's the sound effect. Do that it again. was it. <laughs> <laughs> if you really want to be horrified, go look up the star nosed mole or don't actually. They are, have you seen it? No, I, they, I think I have. We have I to look it up right now, star, but they're like little snout is actually replaced by these two horrendous, like alien looking Maws, yeah, it's terrible. Moths, moths, M A W S, like giant. Like- so, do we call? Do we uh, like? Whoa! They- <laughs> Aaron's checking out the moles. Whoa! We're running on all cylinders <laughs> of this podcast. That. This this audio pod. Oh my goodness! Yeah, that's <laughs> that thing is oh, hideous. That's terrifying. I'm it looks feeling like, aggressive. It looks like the rodents of unusual size. Yes, um, yes, Princess it's Bride. out of a nightmare, but. <laughs> but they do serve a purpose in like, meadow, what are they? What is it in meadowlands? They aerate the soil. They eat a ton of grubs that would otherwise, okay. you know, mess so with they us. have some kind of good. Yeah. Everything does. Even wasps. No, even is, wasps. I wasn't thinking about wasps. I'm thinking about <laughs> mosquitoes. Yeah. What are the good? What's the good berry of mosquitoes? Yeah. They're bat food. Insects don't have blood in them. <laughs> oh my word. You are on it. Today. Wow. <laughs> on fire. There's a, they're just, they're low, low on the, uh, they're like the krill of the air. Yeah. Couldn't bats eat other things though? That probably you yeah. know, don't no harm mosqui- us. Yes. Yes. <laughs> We're just guests here guys on this planet. Oh, no. and, uh, anyway. Oh man. All right. So we had baptisms. Yeah. Normally at this point I ask what's new, but I don't want to hear what's new. I want to talk about baptisms okay. and rededication. So, um, what are we, we're, we're, uh, we're a couple months back from COVID, I guess, where we're gathering in person mm-hmm. and half of half of the people attending Grace Church are still online, which is great. Um, and so we didn't really know what to expect for baptisms. The first yeah. time we've done baptisms, we keep saying a year and a half, but I think it's probably more like two years. No. Yeah. Well, because it's been a year and know. a half since COVID started. That's right. True. And but when we was the last did, baptism? We probably did baptisms in early 2020, January something, maybe. I doubt it. I don't know. We'll never know. (laughs) We'll never know. Uh, So anyways, uh, we didn't really know what to expect. Um, And we tried something new this time, which is like baptisms. Plus, if you have possibly been baptized before, but you are at a point in your life where you want to rededicate that 
and resurrender your life to to God. Uh, we had a we had a station for you to come light a candle and which was really cool, Marion, with yeah. the, the candles floating in the water. It was yeah. a great great symbolism. Um, so I think all in all, we had close to like sixty. 60 responses, 18 over the, baptisms yeah. and then the rest were candle over the weekend. Yeah. I think we had close to close to 60, which it's is amazing. Awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. incredible. It really is. Um, so shout out to everybody who made the choice to, to come forward and, and do that this weekend. I obviously we were all part of the, the experience cause mm-hmm. we were all participating in the service yeah. in some way. And that's the first time I have ever like been a part of a baptism service mm. just from a like support standpoint. Mm, sure. So, um, I, Oh wow. Multiple times throughout the weekend, I was just like standing, playing guitar, crying. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I've never done that yeah. before either. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, there's like a tension of like the show must go on, but also I'm like a blubbering fool here. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. 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 Um, Yesterday at 11 was the first time I think maybe in the entire time I've been here at Grace Church that I couldn't even get the words to come out of my mouth. Yeah. That never happens to me. I mm. sing for funerals. <laughs> I, I do sad things all the time. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's it, I, it never happens that I get so moved and so choked up that I can't even get the words. So out what of my was mouth. it for you then if that never happens to you? <laughs> Just the response of the people. Um both the people coming forward and making commitments, rededicating, getting mm-hmm. baptized, but also the response of the congregation. Mm-hmm. We just rejoice with those who rejoice. Yeah. And I feel like there was so much rejoicing. Even the gentleman who got baptized, who shared a story of, of loss. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Even, even he was quick to say, these are not, tears of sorrow, mm-hmm. but tears of rejoicing because mm-hmm. God is so good. And so, I just got like throat chopped, I think is the word. Just, <laughs> <laughs> good. I think we have a sound effect. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it just wouldn't come out of my mouth. I, that specific uh, gentleman that you're referring to his, that whole moment was actually really special because uh, we were doing some stories where we would actually read, not everybody, just a handful of people who had their stories pre-written and they asked me to read them. So I was reading the stories and there was a miscommunication that we had one more, but then the band kicked off another (laughs) song before. It's fine. I can't wait to talk about all this. No, no, no. It was, it was great. But what was so cool is I was like, okay, so he's, we're all in the baptismal. It's it's the two uh, pastors and him. And we're like, well, I guess we're going to have to wait for a song to be over so I can read his story. And then I, so I was asking him, so tell me like, why are you here? What, like what, what's been happening in your life? And he mentioned his rooted group and he Mm. pointed up and I looked and there's a whole row of people. That's his rooted group. And I said, Oh my goodness, that's your root. All right, guys, come down here, come down here. And Mm. I had them all come down to the side Mm. of the baptismal and then shouting over the song. I was like, what have you seen in his life? How has he changed? And they just started shouting out stories and what they've seen in him. And it was so beautiful. And Mm. I just had him stay there while we were baptizing him to be able to just sort of share in the moment. And it was so, so cool. That's awesome. It was cool because it started off a little, uh, it started off a little sketchy because that moment, because it was like, Uh oh, we started the song. You mean? Well, yeah, we, I mean, we don't know. We didn't, we didn't really like. No, we were flying by our pants, figuring out how to <laughs> so, make it all work. Yeah. So it's like, we do the family. There was a family got baptized together yes. and then we immediately start the next song. And, uh, I look over to the baptismal and <laughs> Amy and Barry are standing there going like 
doing the like big X on their arms. Like, no, stop, stop. One more, one more. And I just see Marin shake her head. Like, no, I'm, I don't know. I I mouth the word. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And Julie had already already started singing and I couldn't be like, all right, Julie, stop. We're going to start this over again. So, yeah. So I was, I was uh, waiting with bated breath to see how that was going to (laughs) go down because I was like, who's going to win here? Is, is, uh, is Marin? Or Barry. Well, and <laughs> what most people don't realize is when things like that happen for the duration of that song, I, all I could do is think I can't stop thinking. And so I yeah. knew that there was going to be an interlude at some point. So then do I somehow get Julie's attention and kind of pause the song during yeah. the interlude so we could share the story and then come back in. But she never looked over at no. me, so I couldn't get no. her attention. You're much more graceful than me. Cause if this was, <laughs> if this were, would have been me, I would have been like, like you know what, everybody, uh, Barry's trying to say something over here. So we're just going to stop and, uh, see what he has to say. No, no I mean, I just, I had to trust that. Okay, Lord, you're going to use this moment. It feels like a mistake to me. It feels like a mistake I made, but maybe you're going to use this for good. Oh you know? yeah. No, it, it, and it, I think it absolutely worked out that way. It was, it was, yeah, it was great. Cool. I mean, just gotta, yeah. you gotta be flexible when yeah. God's moving and people mm-hmm. are responding and yeah. well, there's so much to remember too. Like I knew that there was a family that was all going to get baptized together. And my understanding was the family goes, then we do another song, then we have another story. And then the remaining three songs were for spontaneous baptisms. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to get that timing correct. Right. But then I also wanted to make sure that Astrid, my vocalist, that was to my far left um didn't miss her own daughter being baptized yeah well that so was I, important i kept yeah. looking at the tank because i mean we get lost in worship and our eyes sure. are closed and i just wanted to make sure that she didn't miss that moment and i don't know if she knew hey you have the freedom to like walk over there or mm-hmm. at least like yeah. like turn away turn toward your daughter and take yeah. in this whole moment so um that was super awesome um, to be able to share that moment with, with Astrid and her family. It's hard enough for me to remember the words to songs, <laughs> but when like special things are happening at the same time, I'm trying to remember special work or yeah. like the lyrics, like, yeah, man, that was a tall order for me. But you did a great job. Yeah. Thank you. You did it. Thank you. I told, I told Marin, uh, my only goal for the weekend <laughs> was to have her say nothing to me. As in, as in, like, wouldn't do well, anything wrong. A couple, yeah, a couple weeks ago, I was video engineer, and <laughs> the first two services, Ryan kept being like, "Hey, we're a little dark on uh, camera one." Ah, like, oh, shoot, <laughs> Ryan, I'm sorry. You know, uh, so I told him my only goal for this last service is for you not even to acknowledge my presence, and of course that didn't work. But this, I said the same thing with Marin. I was like, my only goal for this last service is for you just to like not even notice that I'm here. I'm just, just like a smooth. How'd that go? You nailed it at 11 nailed o'clock. It. You nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right. So yeah. Baptisms. We should do it more often. That was my big takeaway. Well, yeah. Uh, people like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and after a year of not doing that after a year of, and to be honest, like I was talking about this earlier, uh, in one of our meetings, but people of grace church have admitted that they're struggling spiritually after Mm -hmm. coming off COVID and, um, kind of being not in the presence of like church family that often. And we're just kind of getting back and things like that. Like this, this, their spiritual lives are struggling. And so having things like baptisms and the, and the, what do we call them? Rededication. Yeah. Rededications. But like the, the set, no, the like, 
communion and mm-hmm. baptism is a what? Sacrament. 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 Yeah. So having the sacraments is is really important, I think, right now to like get people uh engaged, like more engaged in their spiritual lives. Yeah. Faith. I uh my big takeaway was just the desire to be able to publicly rededicate one's life, especially because so many of us, if we grew up in the church or anywhere near the church have already been baptized. Yeah. And this whole idea of rededication came from a volunteer of mine. And that was his story. You know, I had been baptized, but you know, life happened. And Mm -hmm. now I, I want to have a place to just kind of, kind of publicly symbolically declare that I'm starting over and um, I'm rededicating my life. And it was his wife. Um, I believe she came from a Catholic background and she said, you know, like light a candle or something. Mm-hmm. And so that was just taking the idea of a congregation member and bringing it to life. And then I was overwhelmed at the response of families and individuals. I saw couples rededicating yeah. their lives together yeah. and families rededicating their lives together and individuals doing it. And some people came and lit a candle before you were even done preaching. Yeah. And it was yeah, just, for sure. it, it spoke so deeply to me of the need and the desire yep. for our people mm-hmm. um, to have a way to express that because you're right. We're all coming out of a really difficult year. Um, just, it feels like we're a little bit crawling into the sunlight again. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had a long conversation this afternoon with one of our beloved uh, volunteer photographers um, who was just saying the same thing. Just, you know, we should probably keep doing this because this really meant a lot to, to families. And I was kind of cool to see, you know, not just the act of lighting a candle, but then the prayer support that wrapped these individuals mm, as yeah. they came forward. It was just, the most beautiful thing. And again, I think that's why I was crying just to yeah. see so much movement in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, and so many people just putting their feet to action and taking that next step. And mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. I, I kind of expected when we were going to do baptisms that like most of the people getting baptized would be people who thought, you know, Oh, three, six months ago, I was ready to be baptized, but I'll just wait till grace does it. But that wasn't the case. A lot of the people yeah. who got baptized were coming down, tears just streaming down their face. It was obvious they were not, they did not come preparing to be yeah. baptized that day. And it was, that's not every story is is amazing, but watching that happen is just, it, it's a reminder that God is really moving. More than half of our baptisms were spontaneous mm-hmm. this time around. More mm-hmm. than half. Again, that just, that says a lot. Yeah. yeah. Well, I loved it. And I think people did too. So I'm glad we did it. Uh, so we just wrapped up week four of our sermon series, how it started, how it's going. Yep. Week four of 17. How nine. many? Just nine. nine. <laughs> okay. I just could, nine. I would be happy to do this for 17 weeks. It's really, yeah. there's so much good stuff in acts, but yeah, only nine. Okay. So only nine. Halfway through. Um, and so you focused on acts six and seven, yeah. which is kind of the story of the stoning of Stephen. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, led into baptisms, so there was a, a direct kind of call. <laughs> Although I did have a volunteer, production volunteer, ask me, so the stoning of Stephen into baptisms, how that, how's that going to work? <laughs> <laughs> I said, I said, just trust me, it'll connect. Yeah. It'll connect. So what, uh, what was the big idea that you wanted people to hear or take away? All right, so this is one of those messages or one of those passages that it's, I think it's so important to really wonder and ask, what is the author trying to get across because Luke 
does a couple things that are a little bit weird. One, he goes out of his way to capture this super long speech of Stephen. It's like a 30th of the entire book of Acts. He takes up this giant chunk of, of his, of this, this very expensive scroll to capture this speech. Um, and, and there are other little details like the presence of Saul in this story. And I mm. argued in my message that, that none of these things were just accidents and he wasn't just trying to capture historical facts. He was trying to tell us something. And, and essentially what I'm suggesting he was trying to tell us is that there are two very distinct ways to live. He, he sets up a pretty clear dichotomy. That's that word from the intro, uh, the dichotomy of living, trusting in God, walking on the path of life, following in the footsteps of Jesus or standing in God's way and spreading brokenness and essentially standing against the purposes of, and the intentions of, of Yahweh of God. And into that dichotomy comes the reality that, yeah, there's a pretty clear distinction between those who are walking the path of life and those who are walking the path of death or self. Um, but as, as Luke adds Paul or adds Saul and Paul into this story, it's, it's a reminder that, that the die is not cast. You're not set into one of those paths mm. that there is always a choice. That was my big idea. That was, I think Luke's big idea. There is always a choice. Why are you shaking your I'm head? I'm shaking my head because I heard this sermon three times. Yeah. And you <laughs> oh, no. about word for word quoted Led Zeppelin all three times. And really? it was freaking Wait, which me song? out. Um, Stairway to heaven, no less. Really? They say, yes, there are two paths you can go by, mm. but in the long run, there's still time to change the road you're on. And I'm like, Barry, why didn't you tell me? You, King Jay. I, I could have used it as a response song. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what? I'm just trying to think like, what would the yeah, yeah, sprinkling, yeah, yeah. sprinkling for the May, for the May Queen, Queen So you are familiar oh, yeah. with the well, old I've been tune. listening to Led Zeppelin a lot, a lot recently, actually. <laughs> if there's a bustle in your hedgerow, yeah, Barry, don't be alarmed. Don't be alarmed. No. no. Uh, but, I, <laughs> but I don't think I realized that those were the lyrics. Of that song. That's really interesting. Oh my gosh. Like nearly word for word. Sorry. I've totally derailed us, but, but in the long run, there's still time, there's to, still change time to change the road, the road you're, you're on. on. And that's exactly <laughs> what you said. Good. Now that we've got <laughs> well, that settled. All right. <laughs> that's really funny. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. That's the big idea. Led Zeppelin. So set the, set the scene for us because we're, as I'm listening to you, I watched it four times or three times too. Wow. And glutton for punishment. Yeah. We're thanks. just, we're big fans. Yeah. Uh, why I never, I don't understand why Steven was there. Why was he there? Where being brought being, before the council? Like, yeah. why was he part of this crowd? So he was, he was one of the first, well, some people think deacons as mm. an actual role. It doesn't actually say that, but he was the, he was one of the seven godly men that were chosen to oversee food distribution to the widows. And, it says that as he's doing that work, as he's just being a part of this movement, he was one of the people who had seems, seems to have had a special um, gift of the Holy spirit. He was healing people. He was performing signs and miracles. And so he was just well-known, but there was a, uh, a synagogue. This is the name for the Jewish communities that would gather mm -hmm. and worship sort of outside of the temple. And I don't, I, I read some stuff that it was the synagogue of freed slaves and some people think it's basically like where all the, remember I talked about the diaspora before mm -hmm. the scattering of the, of the Jews. Well, it's like, it's like when all the scattering of Jews, when they would come to Jerusalem, either to live or to work. So these are Jews from Turkey. They're Jews from Egypt. They're Jew, Jews from Babylon. They're all in Jerusalem. They would go to synagogue 
and hang out and debate and talk at the synagogue of freed slaves. So that's, that's, so what, that's why he was there. So he was, he, cause remember everybody at this point, as far as we can tell is Jewish, who's also a follower of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to synagogues. They're, they're worshiping in the temple. It's all, it's not like some new religion. It's just Judaism with Jesus as the Messiah. So yeah. that's what, that's what they were doing. And it was in his debates where he, it said he, he spoke the words of the spirit and the spirit was speaking through him and nobody could stand against him in, in these debates or these discussions, which they would do. That was like, that was like a Jewish religious pastime was just to hang out and debate scripture, the meaning of things. And he would just over and over again, just wallop them in these incredible debates that they would have. And so they get really ticked off and that's where he so, got So yeah, yeah. So accused. what, what, what was it that made them get to the point where they're like, we need to persuade other people to mm. lie mm. about him. I think, I mean, the way that Luke captures and acts is that no one could stand up against his argument. Like, he, he kept winning every argument and they're like, we can't just keep letting this guy trounce us every time we're trying to debate scripture. Cause he believes this terrible thing that this yeah. crucified guy is actually our King as our Messiah. What a terrible thing to believe. Yeah. So we can't let him keep winning these arguments. We've got to accuse him of some stuff. So false accusations. I, 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 I feel this a number of times when we talk about Bible stories, but we get these stories in the Bible of these religious people who essentially just like can't chill out. (laughs) Like if I, if I hear somebody that I think is just like spouting nonsense. Yeah. Like maybe street corner or whatever. I don't know. Online. My first instinct is I need somebody to go lie about this person so that they deserve to die. Maybe. No, that is not my first instinct. I'm saying, I see what you're saying. Yeah. But like, I'm trying to think if there's like an analogy I don't yeah. even know if we could because it's because like- because it, I'm trying to think. All right, here's the first analogy that came to my mind is like imagine if someone came into Grace and started spouting nonsense about like alien abductions and how that's actually Jesus is actually an alien, and all of a sudden a ton of people started following that person and listening to them, and they stopped not listening to us, and like mm-hmm. I like we'd be upset about that. But where it breaks down is the idea that like church for us is sort of an external thing to our life where it's like, we go to it, we work mm-hmm. for it. We are participating yeah. in it. But, but Judaism was more than just a religion. It was a culture. It was your worldview. Mm-hmm. It was your family. It was your everything. And so it'd be like someone coming into your, it'd be like someone taking away people from your own family with some sort of nonsense belief where okay. you're just getting, you're like, I can't watch my parents keep believing in the aliens, like, or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And, and yeah. I don't know. I'm trying. I don't think we yeah. can adequately do it justice, but <laughs> yeah. it's just, That's just what I think about time and time again. They're I'm not like, just man, jerks. Just chill out. <laughs> everybody. It, it, it seems as though to them, Stephen, Jesus, the message of Jesus stood against their entire way of living. When, when the, the mob, the angry mob says, uh, we've heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will, dis- will Nazareth will destroy the temple and change the customs mm-hmm. Moses has handed down to us. So it's like, this is our entire lives. Like this guy's just going to come in and change the customs of our lives, our ancestors yeah. lives over the course of hundreds of years. Who is this guy? Mm-hmm. You know? Well, okay. This is perhaps a risky analogy, but that when you said that, what it makes me think is, you remember how in the wake of nine 11, there were all these people getting so afraid that, that Muslims were going to come in and enact Sharia law in America. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Like, and it was like, 
everybody was freaking out about that. And it was like, how they can't take away our freedoms. They can't take away our customs. Like this is America. It's, you know, whatever. And there was never at any point the actual threat that Sharia law was going to be imposed in America, but that was something people were so afraid of. And it led to violence. It led to, you know, some outrageous things. And so I guess, I don't know if that's a, it's not a one-to-one analogy, but to get a sense of like the outrage, the outrage and Mm -hmm. the feeling of threat that what everything I believe in is being threatened. Mm -hmm. My lifestyle, my country, my community is being threatened. Yeah, no, that's helpful because I mean, I, I read acts six and seven multiple times. And I was like, I'm missing the part where he deserves to die. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, well, and the, this is just a trial. I mean, it is before the high council, but the thing that, that absolutely causes them to, to put their hands over their ears and, and shout la la la. So they don't have to hear another word that he's saying is that he not only says that Jesus is the Messiah, but he quotes Daniel seven and Daniel seven is this prophecy of of one, like a quote, son of man who somehow a human is able to stand in authority at God's right hand. He's able to Mm. sit on the throne of God with God and rule, which was a super provocative thing, but this was like hundreds of three, 400 years before Mm -hmm. Jesus was around, but it had become this sort of thought provoking idea in the early or in the, you know, the turn of the century of for people to say like what this Messiah was going to be as a human who actually could, could live into the authority of God. And, and I mean, it's, it's a really provocative idea. And what, what Stephen is doing is he's saying, yeah, Jesus is that son of man because I'm seeing him like having this vision right now. I'm seeing him living out the prophecy from Daniel seven. And to them again, this was a man who was murdered. He was crucified by the Romans that's the most shameful possible thing in existence. And now Stephen is claiming that that crucified guy is actually the son of man, the Lord of all, the one who is essentially equivalent with Yahweh himself. You don't get more blasphemous than that, mm. except for the fact that it's real and, and mm. correct. But to their eyes, that's that you can't get more, yeah. more yeah. blasphemous. You can't than say that. anything more offensive than that. So high priest asks Stephen, are these accusations of blasphemy true? Yeah. And, and speaking against the law of Moses and yeah. Stephen launches into the longest speech recorded in acts, right? Yeah. Um, and his accusers who are lying about him are saying that he taught against the Jews. But as I'm reading, I started reading his speech and as I'm reading it, I'm like, yeah, but his speech is all about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Yeah. And how the Jews are God's people. So wouldn't that have been enough to be like, I'm not lying about the Jews or I'm not talking about against the Jews. Listen, I'm, I think the Jews are God's people. Yeah. <laughs> wouldn't that have been enough for the high priest to go? Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. All right. Yeah, maybe <laughs> if, if his point was to just get out of the trial, perhaps, yeah. perhaps, but clearly that's not what he's trying to get at yeah. in this speech. And so this is where the dichotomy comes in. Yes. Right. So can you talk a little bit about, a, bit, a little bit about that and yeah. kind of not, not necessarily what it was, but how uh, Luke used this to mm-hmm. communicate a larger message. Yeah. Well, in Stephen's speech, you see a pattern of, he mentions these patriarchs like Joseph, Moses, and he mentions the moment at Mount Sinai where they received the law. But he also, every time mentions the people who either rejected Joseph, like his brothers who sold him into slavery or those that he, it's so interesting when you think about the story of Moses, the first story that you think of is like 
crossing the Red Sea or the, the plagues with Pharaoh. But instead, yeah. Stephen tells the story of him killing the Egyptian who was abusing the Jewish people. And instead, the other Jewish people are like, who made you king over us? Like, who said you could come and rescue us? Yeah. God did. God, the answer is God did. <laughs> yeah. But they reject him. And so yeah. he leaves and do, he leaves and has to come back years and years later to rescue God the rules. to rescue the Israelites. So all that to say, he, he, he not only talks about Moses, but he brings up a very odd specific story in that to talk, to talk about those who rejected Moses mm-hmm. as God's representative, even though that's who he was. So it's this dichotomy setting up these people who keep rejecting what God is trying to do in the world. And then at the end, he basically says, y'all are doing the exact same thing. Mm. You're, you're rejecting God's representative you killed the righteous one of God. So that's, that's the dichotomy. And, yeah. and again, even it's, it's like a meta story because in this whole story, Stephen is a representative of God. He's right. shining like an angel. Cause he's got God's presence beaming out of mm-hmm. him. He's representing God. He has God's spirit within him and they are rejecting him. Do you think he knew what he was doing? Yes. I think he did. Like he, you do said, you mean like he knew that this would get him martyred. Yeah. Like, he, do you think he knew like you said, if his goal was to get out of the trial or whatever, right? He could. What was his goal? Just to say the truth, and he would. Did do you think he knew that saying the truth would they they'd end up killing him? I don't know. I don't know. It's a great question. I mean, no one else had been killed for for their faith in Jesus yet. Yeah, I mean, he was the first one, so no one had our track record that this is what happens. But if you look at 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 least Luke wants us to see a parallel between yeah. the death of Jesus and the death of Stephen. And I didn't even get into all the specific things that he quote. There's mm-hmm. like, there's like 12 or 15 different specific things that are reminiscent of the death of Jesus and the death of Stephen. So at least Luke, he sees it as a pretty clear, obvious outcome, but I don't know. It's hard to know what Stephen was thinking in that moment. And why do you think, why do you think it was important that Luke why do you think Luke thought it was important that we see that parallel? Well, I think it's important because one of the big questions that presumably Theophilus, this, this um, Jewish believer who um, wanted to know about the story of the church, that was the one who Luke was writing for yeah. Theophilus. I mean, he was Jewish and he probably had a big question like, hey, everywhere I look, it's all these Gentiles in the church. Whatever happened to the Jews? Why aren't the Jews front and center in this Mm. whole thing. So part of Luke's overall narrative is helping his reader understand this is where things kind of went off track Mm -hmm. for a lot of the Jewish leaders. And then there's this whole theme. He's also setting up themes of like uh, why there's conflict between some of the the apostles about whether Gentiles are allowed in or not, or whether they have to be uh, not crucified, uh, circumcised or not and all that stuff. He's setting up this theme, this dichotomy that that's tricky to navigate for the early church. Um, but I also think, and this is where I went in my message, I think he's setting this dichotomy up so that you see Saul, Paul, in a very specific light. You see him on one side of that dichotomy. You see him standing with the religious leaders, zealously persecuting the church. Like you see that. And then you see his life change and transformation because it is the key to his testimony. It's the key to what he's able to do in the world. So seeing Stephen die. No, no. The fact, yeah. The fact that he was a part of it. Yeah. The fact that he persecuted the church. I mean, seriously, I was just doing some research because we're this coming weekend, we're talking about the conversion of, of Saul and I'm looking at all the different places in scripture where he explains or someone explains for him what happened to him. And almost every time he talks about how he was brutally persecuting the church, how he was, he was, you know, 
condemning to death Christians. He was, he was hunting them down, trying to get them in jail and uh, yeah, violence. And, and the, what is, there's a word and it's something like he was with a heart full of hatred and slaughter or something like that was his approach to the church. And so every time we talk about his conversion, I know it's like, Whoa, he, it's important. I believe for the entire understanding of who Saul is and Paul is to think, okay, he was on one side of this dichotomy. So Mm. I think Luke is setting that up because Mm. in just a few chapters, what we've been following Peter and sort of the original Jewish apostles, and then starting about halfway through the book of acts, it flips and we, the rest of the time we follow the apostle Paul. Um, so I think, I think it's all kind of setting up that, that narrative thread. Yeah. To answer your question, I don't, I don't feel like he purposely tried to get himself martyred. Mm-hmm. I keep going back to the beginning of the passage. Um, you started with um, verse eight of chapter six. Stephen was a man full of God's grace and power. Mm. I've always read this story as new King James. <laughs> Thank you kindly. <laughs> oh man. I wish every reference I ever gave was actually from the new King James, but I'm reading from the app and it's probably NLT. Yeah, it is. Okay. I just love every time I say it, you have to like do that Stop version of that. <laughs> it's actually not new King James. Okay. Cause that matters to me. Um, I don't know why it matters to me, but it does. Um, I I've always read this as a Holy spirit moment where the Holy spirit just took over Stephen, mm. and he's just endowed with a boldness like, um, Peter was on the day of Pentecost, just like, look, Mm. you guys, these people are not drunk, you know? And then he just gives this awesome speech earlier in the book of Acts. I see this as a moment similar to that where Stephen is just, again, his face becomes like that of an angel. And he's just so full of boldness and power and the Holy spirit that he is God's instrument in that moment. And he delivers this incredible speech. And then I think it's because he's so full of the spirit that he's able to look up into the heavens you know, see Jesus sitting at the right hand of the father and ask him not to condemn these people who are stoning him to death. Mm-hmm. I mean, that takes such incredible power. I think I would be like, you know, trying to dodge stones or trying <laughs> right. to like get out of yeah, town as right. fast as I could. But if I was completely consumed with the fire of the Holy spirit, then I'd be capable of doing anything. Yeah. And he was consumed with the fire of the Holy spirit and he was capable of being martyred in such a brave way. Yeah. And think about the end of Peter's speech. We didn't talk about it in my message, but the end of Peter's speech, he basically goes the same to the same thing. He's like, Hey, you who are listening to me, you guys killed God's Messiah. Yeah. And their response is to completely repent. What, what can we do to be saved? Is there any way to recover from this? Mm. And they, and 3000 people joined the church that day. He goes in front of the religious leaders or Stephen goes in front of the religious leaders and they do not respond that way. Maybe he thought that that's what was going to happen. Maybe he saw it happen. He maybe, yeah. yeah. Maybe he was hoping and praying that they would turn, uh, turn away. So I had two, uh, observations about Stephen. Actually, I think I always just kind of thought Stephen was like part of the crew. Like I thought he was like one of the, cause 12. they say he like waited tables. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I didn't know he was just a guy. You wait, thought he was waiting tables. No, you mean you thought he was one of the 12 apostles? Yeah. 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 Or the 12 disciples. Oh, okay. I thought you meant he was just one of like the, the, the house crew, the grunts. No, oh. but that, that's <laughs> one of the observations is like, Amy last week talked about how like she was a part of a non-staff, non-pastor, like 
joining God in this deliverance of evil. She talked about that last week. Stephen is the non-staff, non-pastor sure. dude. Like he's just a guy who loves God, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that. His only qualification for ministry is that he loves God. Like he, that's it. He's doesn't. He's not a teacher. He's he's just a good arguer. Apparently, filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, yeah, power. But and his only miracles. qualification, because it's like sometimes it's like when we talk about would you give your life for this or um. Sometimes it's easy for me to think this, this is for people who are like dedicated to ministry. It's like, yeah, of course they would give their life for Mm -hmm. this. But Stephen's not that Stephen was just a guy who loved God. So that's something he gave his life for. And that to me is like super powerful to the, the person just like a regular believer or whatever. That's like, this is not for, well, it's for everybody. It's not just pastors and missionaries mm-hmm. and, you know, leader, church leaders. Yeah. It's for everybody. Right. Uh, the second observation I had um, got me thinking about 2021 and something Stephen did that doesn't totally happen much from what I see is he went right after the, the sin. He went right after the sinner. Mm-hmm. And I feel like sometimes, at least for me, it's cool for cool for me to talk about like sin and like generalities. Hmm. Like we need to think about this when we are misbehaving. Like we should, (laughs) are you talking to your son? Yeah. Yeah. We're going to have to, we're going to have to work really hard on this. And he's, he's like, okay, yes, we will dad, you do it. All right. So, but as soon as, but Steven got real direct, he's like, you are the problem. You did this. You like, what did he call him? Well, he called them heathen at heathen. heart. That's it's actually uncircumcised in your heart. Which, yeah. Well, again, what an insult! It's a little. It's uh, a big insult. It's like gird your loins. <laughs> <laughs> He's saying, "Yeah, you may be physically circumcised, but your heart sure isn't. Yeah, you're basically a Gentile." Oh snap! Gentile at heart. Could you imagine? And he's saying this to like the religious elite, the high yeah. priest. The high priest was there. Yeah. So he's going right after him. Yeah. And uh, as soon as you go real direct with like me, and you're like. This isn't an us problem. This is a you problem. Like about my behavior or whatever, like the air all of a sudden gets thick <laughs> and like, it's easy in 2021 to be like, all right, pastor, you crossed a line. You crossed a line. You're talking too direct to me. Huh. Uh, but he didn't care. He was just like, I'm crossing the line because you guys are being sinful and wrong and mm. whatever. So those are my two observations. That's interesting. It's interesting. I think because, I don't know when I, when I hear you say like he went right after the sinner, well, like Jesus went to the sinners, maybe small s like with compassion and love saying, go and sin no more. But he went after the religious vipers. Well, yeah, I guess calling them whitewashed tombs. Yeah. And that's what Stephen was doing. He wasn't going at like, you know, you thief. No, no, no. Coming yeah, right at I you. mean, like, but he's going after yeah, those who, who would judgment. essentially lead others astray. Yeah. Um, and miss, as you said, Barry, like the whole heart of the law and yeah. that they'd turned it into, you know, about following rules and regulations more than. Yeah. Right. And that's why they were uncircumcised in their hearts. Yeah. Well, and, and there's a very strong prophetic thread. If you look at the old Testament prophets where they have a special, uh, 
there a special message to the leaders of Israel. Remember when we talked about Micah, the leaders of Jerusalem who are building yeah. Jerusalem with blood? Like there is something specific that prophets have to leaders. And I think it's a very strong biblical principle that if you are leading others, you have a responsibility that goes beyond your own personal choices. You're affecting the lives of other people. So if you are supposed to be the leader yeah. of Israel and you're missing the point of the law, then that's, you can't get worse than that. And yeah. Paul, <laughs> yeah. Paul says the same thing as he's helping to lead the church. He's like, look, not everybody should want to be a teacher in the church because you've got a much higher responsibility. Mm -hmm. If you're going to teach mm -hmm. a lot more is going to be expected of you. Isn't that right? And so it's, <laughs> yeah. And so something it's, to think about something, something to think about. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, I think there's, I think that's part of it. And I don't know, Tyler, if we, again, I always go back to individualism. We're so individualistic that we, we tend to treat sin as like, well, it's my problem between me and God. Yeah. But I think biblically in a much less individualistic perspective, sin radiates out into the lives of others, mm -hmm. no matter what, no matter who we are. And so it's a, it's, there are deeper impacts to our sin than simply whether or not we are good or bad. You yeah. Know what I mean, yeah. So I wonder if that's I, I, part of it. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm sure it is. I was just super impressed by this is a normal guy who's got extraordinary like courage and paid for it and yeah. you know is is kind of the the example of normal people doing yeah extraordinary things um all right so where do we go next what's happening so now we're going to look at the conversion of Saul, although I am going to make this clear in the message. I don't like the word conversion for him because it makes oh. us, <laughs> wow. because it makes us think that he switched religions, which mm. he did not switch religions. Paul conversion. He converted from nothing to something, right? He saw the light. I, I would like, I, I almost <laughs> want to call it like the awakening of oh. Paul where he, he became, he awakened to the reality that Christ really was the Messiah. Yeah. Um, but I just, that's dumb. I just said the Messiah really is the Messiah. Christ is Greek. Christ is Greek for Messiah. Anyway, for anointed one that, that Jesus really was the Christ. So uh -huh. I think, yeah, anyway, we'll talk about his, his awakening, his conversion. And yeah, it'll be interesting because he it's, it's, I hadn't noticed this until, or hadn't really thought about this, but his conversion or whatever you want to call it, it goes hand in hand with his call to ministry. Like in every version of the story that's told, it's told three times in Acts and Paul tells it himself in Galatians and mentions it in first Corinthians. So in all the places where it's mentioned, his awakening to the reality of Jesus as Christ is also accompanied with his call to bring the gospel to the Gentiles and mm. to spread it around the, the world and, and to suffer for Jesus. Like he's called in his yeah. conversion to to be one of the ones who suffers for Jesus. And as we'll see in the message, if I think wow. we'll have time for it, the very moment that he begins to preach, there's death threats on his life and he has to be let out of the city through a, ba via mm -hmm. a basket out down the wall. Like, <laughs> he, and so like right out of the gate, he's already <laughs> among a nickel for every time that happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right out of the gate. He is now one of those that is being hunted. So by the very people just like him we'll talk about this, I guess next week, but how old was he? What? Now I feel like we could almost talk about Paul equally this week because yeah. Yeah. you already set it up yeah. at the end of your message How talking about him holding the coat. When Steve <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Coat check. <laughs> uh how old was he when Stephen 
died. I we don't know exactly. They don't but like really old enough to hold coats. Probably younger. He's probably late twenties, early thirties. And then how old is he older. when he's got conversion or awakening? Same age because this happened. Same age. Like within weeks. Oh. Or months. I always pictured it as like Oh wait. So I always pictured it as like he sees this happen, spends a little bit more time persecuting. He does in Jerusalem. Spends a while. And and, the and then has conversion. Uh-huh. And then years later, because when I think of like somebody who just comes to believe in Christ, I'm like, mm-hmm. you're not ready to go right. do all this stuff. Right. But was he like, it was like immediate. So, well, <laughs> you Spoiler just, alert? no, you oh. just opened up a huge can of uh, worms, <laughs> but there are some conflicting <laughs> like narratives. Doesn't matter. Basically the bottom line is he spent probably about three years before he ended up going back to Jerusalem and meeting Peter and meeting James. And then he's so zealous that they end up putting him on a boat and sending him to Tarsus, his hometown. Mm -hmm. And he goes and he spends possibly up to a decade there teaching, planting churches before he begins any of his other mission like work out into Western Turkey. So he probably, by the time he's planting churches, he's probably in his fifties or or mid forties, late forties. But, um, Maybe mid forties, but yeah, when all this stuff happens, he's probably just a young man. Yeah. Twenties, thirties. He would have had to have enough training to be considered a Pharisee. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a, probably a a long process to get to that point, but yeah. And I would think if you are a trained Pharisee and then suddenly you come to an awakening that Christ is the fulfillment of everything you already know, and you're full of the Holy spirit and boldness, you're ready. You're ready. You're ready to go. So he jump right in. (laughs) Apparently he, he, I mean, he was on the road to Damascus in Syria when, when this conversion moment happened, he spent some time in Damascus before returning to Jerusalem. And the thing is with Luke, he basically makes it sound like it happened right away, but it's clearly a while before he went back to Jerusalem. And it's it later on, he talks about going to Arabia, which is like a weird thing. You're like, wait, when did you go to Arabia? And it was apparently right after this. And so Mm. N.T. Wright has a really interesting theory based on some of the language of the book of Ezekiel that Paul left Damascus and, and went on this pilgrimage down to Mount Sinai, Mm. where he actually went to try to commune with God, just like Ezekiel. No, sorry. Like Elijah, just like Elijah, he went down to Mount Sinai to like, and receive and sort of clarify and understand his calling and then possibly went into like Jordan and Petra and like was preaching there and then went back to Damascus and stuff like that. So I think in what the only time that he brings it up in, in the other letters, he's trying to defend himself by saying like, I didn't get my gospel message from these other apostles. I got it from Jesus himself. That's Mm. why I can call myself an apostle because I didn't just get this second hand. Mm. I got it from Jesus himself. So he goes out of his way to say, I didn't just go straight to Jerusalem and like, let's learn from Peter. I went on this whole epic journey and I spent three years and I was preaching and God, Jesus was revealing himself to me. And then I went to Jerusalem. So it, I, I told you we opened a can of worms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. But yeah, that's the long, long answer. All right, to the yeah. question. All right. We'll sort it out next week. We will. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so yeah, we'll see you then. Everybody going to be here next week. Don't see why not. Yeah. All right. Uh, but for now, Marin, we please send us out. Sure thing, y'all. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And we'll see you on the other side of Sunday. Bye.